Our second reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 1. We'll begin in the 8th verse. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is that we may know, may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, and as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith, as it's written, the righteous shall live by faith. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You might be surprised that after spending more than a week uh, reading this text and reviewing a stack of commentaries, including Martin Luther's work and even reviewing notes from past courses I've taken in this book and even taking a new course from a, a, a professor online, you might be surprised when I invite us to invite Star Wars to help us understand this text. And then a little later, uh, a clip from, and I'll explain it, from the 90s cult classic Office Space. And then a little later in the sermon, uh, even a scene from uh, the Navy CSI television show. All to help us, I hope, hear the word of God today. But before we get there, let me begin with this question. Where will your breakthrough be? Where has God broke through into your life in the past? And where is he breaking through now? For the Apostle Paul, first called Saul, it was on a road to Damascus. He was a Jew among Jews. He was part of the culturally elite. He was well-educated. He was even a Roman citizen. But when he encountered Christ, and the light shined upon him on that road to Damascus, he had a breakthrough. Everything changed. From persecuting Christians to being among them and wanting to preach and be with them, as you heard in Romans today, experienced new life. For Martin Luther, the 
person from whom we get that name, Lutheran, although he didn't like that. His breakthrough was in a tower in Germany. From reading the very text that we read today, particularly verse 17. He went from thinking that God was an angry, wrathful God who was mad at him. In fact, he even at one point said that he hated the Apostle Paul for talking about righteousness because he knew he couldn't obtain it. He couldn't get there. He couldn't live like that. But then when the Spirit moved him in reading this text and revealing the context and understanding the distinction between law and gospel. And in his own words, he said, after that tower experience, he was born again. He felt set free. The breakthrough happened for John Wesley in the evening, about a quarter before nine, at a meeting, a gathering, where the reading of Luther's preface of his notes about the book of Romans was being read. This after 13 years of striving with diligence and discipline to be holy and always falling short. But when he heard Luther's preface to the Romans... The preface to his notes about the Romans, not even the book itself, not even the word of God itself, just about the book. And not even that, about what he's about to write about the book. The Holy Spirit broke through. And John Wesley said his heart was strangely warmed. What is your breakthrough story? How is God breaking through in your life today? As we get into this text, one commentator pointed out that concerto, piano concertos, often begin with this loud, crouching beginning. Why? Well, there's a practical reason. Often piano concertos were written and, and then played first at parties in people's homes. So they had to get people's attention to stop talking. And then immediately after they got their attention, the theme of the piece would come out. Well, after the Apostle Paul gets our attention in his introduction in the first 15 or so verses telling us about his longing to be in Rome and his desire to make an impact and, and for the blessing that he's received from this community, even though he doesn't know them, many of them personally, the theme is immediately revealed to us. For the whole letter, for all of God's words, all 16 chapters, and what is that theme? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And in that verse that made such a difference in Luther's life, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it's written, the righteous shall live by faith. 
I believe this morning God wants a breakthrough. He wants to break through in my life by the power of his Holy Spirit through his word. I believe he wants a breakthrough in your life. I believe he wants to break through in our lives together over these next 12 weeks. I pray that that is so that the Holy Spirit will bring about a renewing of the mind like it says in Romans 12. From old to new like it says in 2 Corinthians 5. And as I read this text today and and listen to sermons and commentaries and and Luther's uh, well-written words, maybe, just maybe, well, I know. And I pray that God desires that you and I would also say our hearts are strangely warmed. So we're going to look at three aspects of today's text. The first is that new life from my well-conceived plan ends where I don't expect it. We'll have some help from Star Wars to help us see that. Next, we'll discover similarity, but also quite different. That God's new life plan ends where I don't expect it. And we'll hear from the two Bobs in office space to help us with that. And finally, we'll hear that God's plan makes a new life. God's new life plan comes often in ways we don't see coming. We'll hear it from an episode of NCSI to help us with that. So let's dig in. In the now classic scene in episode four, the original Star Wars, where Han Solo and Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker are trying to get away in the Death Star, they're being fired upon, and so they decide to, with Princess Leia's leadership, go down a garbage chute. You know, that famous line, jump in the garbage chute, flyboy. But unfortunately for them, as they leave one deadly circumstance, they jump into two more. Two more. They leave this deadly circumstance only to find a lurking serpent out to kill them. Sound familiar? And eventually the walls start closing on them, literally. Does this... Feel familiar? Have your well-conceived plans ever encountered more trouble than you expected? Do the walls in life ever feel like they're closing in on you? I mean, we're going after beautiful things, right? Things like a meaningful career or a great adventure at school or friends. God's gift of marriage. Maybe even the pursuit of justice like we have modeled for us in Martin Luther King Jr. and remembering that this weekend. Or even the gift of having children. But even when all of these things go pretty well, are a blessing, they frequently, regularly, when we put them in the place 
for our hope. As our well-conceived plan, they don't produce what they think we will. Much less when they don't go as well as we think they will. When that meaningful career is broken, when friendships break our hearts, or when marriage ends in divorce, or the pursuit of justice ends in an assassination. Even our own children sometimes reject us. No, our well-conceived plans and the circumstances of this world don't produce what we think it will. Even Paul corrected Peter when Peter was falling down that age-old trap of racism. But if we keep trying to orchestrate our life based on these as the foundation, it won't just fail, it will crush us. Just like Martin Luther was crushed when he tried to be a monk among monks, only realizing as he bled on his knees trying to pray enough that it was never enough. Like it crushed John Wesley for 13 years when he couldn't, by his own power, be holy. Even the Jew among Jews. Paul knew he needed salvation after encountering Christ. Our well-conceived plans don't end up where we think they will. But the truth is that God's new life plan for us often ends where we don't expect either. Like I've said, Paul was well-educated, disciplined, a faithful Jew. He was successful in his career path as a Pharisee and doing what his elders thought was right and good as he persecuted and even oversaw the killing of Christians. This is the guy that God uses to tell us about his love and grace. And as he spoke and wrote to the center of the known universe, Rome, it's not as if he wasn't using his intellect, using scholar, uh, quoting in Romans, philosophers known to that day. Even C.S. Lewis in his book, based on the radio show he did during the German Blitz, Mere Christianity, reveals a, a powerful, intellectual, evidentiary, philosophical, well-grounded truth of the gospel for why we should believe. It's not that we're not to use our intellect, but our intellect will not save us. In the end, it wasn't Paul's effort that saved him. It was God's. Your effort won't get you there either. That's why Paul said and might have stated, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it's a little bit offensive to us, isn't it? That it's not by my might or power. Luther put it this way, thus we arrive at this conclusion. He who believes in the gospel must become weak and foolish 
before men, speaking may be strong and wise in the power and wisdom of God. Let down, right? Sounds offensive to us. Until we hear in this text anew, as, as a commentator points out, transliterated a verb in Greek that ends in two O's, tells us that it's not I that justify or I that gain righteousness, but it's righteousness. That verb ending lets us know it's the righteousness imparted upon us. Justification imparted upon us. Declared upon us. Not something I do, but something given to me. We receive it. And that's why God's plan might seem offensive. We love to attack those who we think deserve it. One pastor in a sermon about this text illustrated this, and I'll share it with you this morning from that 90s cult classic office space so that you can kind of feel a little bit of this offense In that movie, The Two Bobs, two gentlemen named Bob were assigned the task of interviewing employees. Everyone knew their purpose was to downsize. Everyone knew that meant people were going to be fired, let go. It was Peter's turn for the interview. He came in nonchalantly, probably even a little late. And they asked him, so Peter, tell us about what you do here. What's a normal day like for you? He said, well, normally I get in about 15 minutes late, but I come in through the side door so my boss doesn't see me. Then I sit in front of my computer for about an hour and I space out. But I look like I'm working. Then I play some video games. And he goes on to say, you know, maybe in a week I might get 15 minutes of real work done. The two Bobs, you might be surprised, they were impressed. They went to their superiors and said, this Peter, we think he's great material for a promotion to middle management. Offensive, right? I mean, the guy who didn't work gets the promotion. He gets exactly what he doesn't deserve. Where other people are getting axed. But that's exactly what the gospel is. Jesus took the axe for us on the cross when he died on the cross. We get exactly what we don't deserve. And more than that, we get a promotion. And that's offensive. But it's a gift of grace. So Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. One author says that Paul does not assert things because he feels this way about Jesus, but that the gospel proclamation has nothing to do with our sentimentality. 
He proclaims the truth, the fact, because of the incarnation that we just celebrated at Christmas, that God came in the flesh to be with us. Jesus, the Son of God, and even more astonishing, he would go to the cross and then rise again. This, these historic facts lead us to the very power of the gospel. And finally, God's new life plan often ends in a way that we don't see coming. Not just as one pastor pointed out, not just as a pardon of sin, not just as a clemency of our sin like a governor might give clemency to a prisoner. Because after all, after that clemency comes, what life does that prisoner have? They're, they're on the street. What life do they have now after years under the law? It's more than that. It's a dramatic, dramatic change. Hopefully you'll get a, just a small glimpse of that dramatic change from this scene in NCSI. There was an old Marine who was in trouble. He was being accused of a crime. He looked worn and beat up. And so when the two Marines and a Navy lawyer showed up to accuse him and arrest him, they looked on him with a judgment in their eyes, an indictment in their minds. You've never done that upon another sinner, have you? And as they looked on this man, this man's friend present there moved part of his shirt back to reveal something he was wearing. And everything changed. For this man revealed he was wearing his Congressional Medal of Honor. And those two Marines and that sailor quickly snapped to attention and saluted this old Marine who they now knew was a hero. That's the kind of dramatic and even on a grander scale change of perspective that God gives us about ourselves. We move not just with clemency, but we are awarded God's greatest honor. He calls us children of God. We aren't just pardoned. We get a new life. We get the Medal of Honor, child of God. So stop, friends, I invite you, expecting your plan with the walls closing in to bring you new life. Instead, experience a breakthrough by receiving what God has declared upon you. And then live in this new life with this new identity on a mission. Having received it now with love, share it. For this truth is so real 
As Paul writes, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Amen.